You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, I'm doing the second part of, of a message that was too large to do in one part, so um, it's still called Salvation for All Who Believe, Part 2. And uh, it's the 15th in the series of Romans, and uh, we're doing Romans 10 today. Scriptures are from the New Living Translation. Romans 10, verses 1 to 4, to begin with. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless this word to our hearts today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul is helping us understand why religious people can miss salvation. The Jews were very religious. They were zealous about keeping the law of Moses. In fact, they created hundreds of extra laws that God didn't command. They expanded Sabbath keeping to a list of do's and don'ts. You could only walk one quarter of a mile. They had very strict work rules as well. For example, when Jesus healed people on the Sabbath day, that really riled them. They were so put out, so offended. And they accused him of, a, of breaking the Sabbath. They faithfully tithed and observed the strict rules of washing and cleanliness. But they neglected, as Jesus said, to do the weightier things of the law, like justice and mercy and faith. They missed salvation and even crucified Jesus the one that God sent to be their deliverer, the one that God sent to be their Lord and Savior. They allowed him to be crucified. In chapter 9, Paul's emphasis was on God's sovereignty in reference to the Jews and equally applicable to you and I today. Now in chapter 10, Paul shifts the emphasis to man's responsibility, our responsibility towards God. Salvation is available for all who believe in Jesus for the cleansing of sin. 
Every one of us can have a clean heart, a pure heart and clean hands. Amen? People are still self-righteous today, of course. They think that they are good enough, that they have no need of forgiveness. They haven't done anything to ask God to forgive them for. They're good neighbors. Um, they pay their taxes. They're just all around good people. There's a lot of good people in the world. But they're not born again. And Jesus said, you must be born again. He didn't make it hard to become a believer. He's given us everything that is ever needed to believe the gospel. Some people believe that their good works outweigh, will outweigh their bad. Anything bad that they've done is being outweighed by the good things that they're doing. I wonder where did they get that? They certainly didn't get it in the Bible. It's not there. The Jews believed that, and a lot of people believe it today. They stumble over Jesus. People don't mind you talking about God. But when you mention Jesus, wow, they just don't want to hear it. And Jesus is the one that paid the price for our sins. Millions of souls are forever lost in eternity because they've refused Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And millions more are hitting that way because people are still refusing to believe the gospel. Every Christian should have the same heart's desire for our nation, for our community, for our family. And that is, as Paul had for Israel, that they would be saved. And so our prayers should always include our families and our friends and our neighbors, people that we know that need the Lord. And so that brings me to my first point, the law versus faith. Verses five, and five to seven of Romans 10, for Moses writes that the law that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commandments. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down from, to the earth. Or, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring, bring Christ back up to life again. Paul reminds us that righteousness is not possible to the law. One would have to obey all of its commandments. And there's no one in this room can do that. 
To break even one means a person is guilty of the whole thing, James chapter 2, verse 10 says. Even if we could keep the law, we still have to deal with a sinful nature. We sin because we're sinners. For everyone has sinned, Romans 3.22 says, everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse from sin. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I love the alls of the Bible. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. What we consider little sins and what we consider big sins. Sin is sin according to God's standard. Listen to Paul's explanation of faith's way to righteousness. No one has to go to heaven to bring Christ down. Jesus has already come to earth. He has already come. He lived, he died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and he's alive today, the Bible says, ever making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. He has fulfilled all the just requirements of the law for us. No personal effort is required. Jesus paid it all. All we have to do is believe. Isn't that awesome? We don't have to go through a whole list of things to do in order to get to God. All we have to do, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. One of the first things you do after you come to faith in Jesus Christ is to start praying for your loved ones, your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, your friends and your neighbors. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your household. He's the only way, the one and only way to righteousness. Right living. Righteousness is right living. Living right according to God's word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so anyone who is rejecting Jesus Christ and trying to find salvation is on very dangerous ground. Jesus said, there's no way that you can do it. You cannot climb up another way. All of the good works that you could ever do cannot earn you a place in heaven. If you have the most money in Alberta and you decided to give it to a church or to give it to some charity, that still would not buy your way into heaven. You have to come, believe that you're a sinner, say, Jesus, I've sinned, I've, I asked your forgiveness. You, you accept that forgiveness, what he did on the cross, as a payment for your sin, and you're forgiven. And that can happen in a moment of time. 
the length of time that it takes you to walk from where you're sitting right now to standing right here in front of me, it can be all cleaned up. Your slate is clean. It doesn't matter if you even committed murder. You are forgiven. There's a lot of things that you'll do in a lifetime that may, you may have to suffer consequences for it. You may have to do jail time even for some of the things that you've done. But the moment that you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you are forgiven. And that's what you need to be concerned about. You have 50, 60, 70, 80 years to do that. But the thing is, it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. I don't know when my appointment of death is coming. And neither do you. You can't say, well, I'm just 20 years old, so I've got a lot of time left yet. No, you don't. You can't say that because you don't know that. I could get a call when I get home that one of you have just dropped dead today. You've been in an accident. Something has happened. Nobody can boast about tomorrow. And every time we are in a service like this and the gospel presented, we are at a crossroads. We either make a decision for Christ or against him. And the wise man, the wise woman, will make a decision for Christ. The message we preach, secondly, the message we preach. The message we, we preach is a faith message. Salvation is a faith message. Healing is a faith message. Instruction in practical Christian living is a faith message. Keith talked about how much you need to exercise faith if you're going to be a farmer. And that goes through all whatever occupation you have. There is a level of faith that you must exercise. Few people realize how closely faith and forgiveness are. Mark chapter 11, 22 and 26, you don't have that on the overhead talks about that. Verses 22 and 25 says that when you pray, believe that you will receive. That's faith. Why would you believe that you're going to receive something you pray for? Well, you need to know what the Bible says about it, first of all. You're praying for a pink Cadillac. You may not get that. If you're praying for a nice, shiny airplane, you may not get that. Unless you're going to be doing the Lord's work with it. Just be quiet, brother, and listen to the word, okay? This is my turn to speak, okay? Faith is not a feel-good thing. Some people say, oh, this feels so good. 
It's got to be right. You don't find that in the Bible. You've got to live by the principles of God's word and the promises of God's word and the commands of God's word. That's what you've got to live by. That's what your faith is based upon these things. Young people, you can't go to a, to, uh, to a, 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 a pastor and say, well, pastor, you know, I know my boyfriend, he isn't saved. He isn't born again. He, he don't have any faith. But I believe that one day, if we, when we get married, he will turn my way. That very seldom happens. But pastor, it feels so good. Pastor, it feels so right. I feel I'm in, in God's favor. I feel that God's favor is upon me. What? do the Bible say? The Bible tells us very plainly not to be unequally yoked. And I would never get married today knowing what I know about the Bible to an unbeliever. I remember a friend of mine, he got saved, he was, he, he was, he was going with this girl, dating her, and so a couple of weeks after he got saved, he sat down and he said, well, honey, this is the way it is. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together. He said, so unless you're going to become a born-again believer like me, there's no future for us. She came to the Lord. They went through life. They've... He's retired now. He's in the oil business, Fort Mac, and, and um, you know, they've got plenty of money. Their family has grown. They've got grandkids. They're still in love, still together. But he took his stand. He loved this girl, but he said, I'm not going to go against God's word. This is what God's word says. Faith is not a feel-good thing. Just because you feel good about it doesn't mean that it's God's plan for you. Look into the word of God. See what God's word says and then follow that. Faith is based on the principles and the promises and the commands of God's word. Hebrew chapter 11 verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. I don't know how much plainer we can be than that. You say, oh, I don't like to go to this church. There's people that have left this church because they figured we were too strong on faith. Wow. I wouldn't want to be in a place where people don't believe because that's what faith is. Faith is believing. Believing the word of God. It's not positive thinking. It's believing what God's word says. Amen? Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. How can you believe? How can you become a believer if you don't believe that God is? God never intended for us 
to be closet Christians. The kingdom of God is expanded by word of mouth. Verse 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Paul drills down on this fact that faith is essential for Christian living. In verse 11, he says, as the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced or never be disappointed, another version says. Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord, who gives generously to all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My third point, and it's my final point, God calls individuals to numerous fields of ministry. Some are full-time pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles. Others are administrative or parachurch ministries. Then there's the, the volunteers, the many, many volunteers and part-time workers. We have millions who make up congregations in our local churches. That la and last but not least, those who are being added to the church every day. And sometimes, most of the times, I will add, the people that are coming to the Lord today are ones that are being influenced by people who are just have come to the Lord. New Christians win new Christians to the Lord. When we get into the faith very long, we get into a rut and we become complacent. And the world around us is going to hell and we don't seem to care. Someday I'm going to get a message that's going to make you shout. <laughs> Paul proceeds to ask some very important questions that should prod every believer's action because he lays down the responsibility at our door. Romans 10, verses 14 15, he says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will any, anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And you see, we have a part in this evangelism and missions work. That's a part of the church ministry and the part that we play. Some will go, some will have a call upon their heart to be a minister or to be a, minister, a missionary or an evangelist. But the vast majority of per, uh, church congregations will give to the work of the Lord so that those people can go. Thank God for the vast army of believers that are active in winning souls. Those who lead in the battle are not without honor among the saints. The fivefold ministry serves to equip 
and rally us to action. But there is a sleeping giant among us. If that giant ever wakes up, there will be an explosion of evangelism like we have never witnessed in any generation, including the book of Acts. Would you like to know who that sleeping giant is? Yes. It's you. Hallelujah. It's you. If we could grasp the urgency and the seriousness of Romans chapter 10 and act upon it, it would change our church and change our community. We would share our faith more often. We would pray more often and more urgently. And we would be more intentional in our giving and in our living. That ball is in our court. We can be satisfied to maintain, but there are very few cases in history where a group of people in a congregation can maintain. You're either going down, down, down until the last one out closes the door. Or you're going upwards, 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 gaining ground for the Lord. When we are maintaining or when we are plateauing, we should be very, very concerned. And not get into the act of the blame game. Oh, it's the pastor's fault or it's the board's fault or someone else's fault. Lay the blame right where it belongs. It's my fault. Each one of us. Here's the thing that causes most of us to go into our shell. Romans 10, 16. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing. And that is hearing the good news about Christ. The word of God. So we need to preach the word of God, that's for certain. Evangelism and missions is not centered on those who will reject the gospel, but on those who will receive. Let me say that again. Evangelism and missions is not centered on who will reject the gospel, but who will receive the gospel. The fact is that there are always those who, when they hear the good news, will receive it. Now, I've had many uh, careers in my life, and one was a door-to-door -door salesman. And I would go knocking on doors, and sometimes three or four in a row, and no entrance whatsoever. Not interested. Sometimes they would politely say it, and other times... Slam the door in my face. And I would be getting a bit discouraged. And then I'd knock on the next door. Oh, nice smiles. Come in. Have a cup of coffee. And I'd lay out all of my things and they were, usually would buy something. 
And uh, that made my day. Really, sometimes it didn't mean that I made much money that day, but just that I got a sale encouraged me that maybe I'll get another one tomorrow and I'd be making my, planning my route for the next day. Again, here's where faith is needed. We need to trust in the Lord enough to believe that his plan really works. That what some see as foolishness of preaching, and that includes sharing your faith. Preaching is not just what I'm doing right now. That's one way. Be quiet, my brother. Be quiet. Preaching is not just what I'm doing right now. Preaching is sharing what God has done in your life. And so, you share your, your faith with somebody, and uh, they receive it. And you're encouraged. You go on and you share it again with someone else. Sooner or later, you're going to come, and come across someone who is really obnoxious. Obnoxious. There, that's the word. Obnoxious. And, uh, you, know, and uh, you know, they'll make you feel like dirt and all of that stuff. And they'll call you a hypocrite, everything like that. And you begin to get discouraged and you don't want to share so well. But that's where prayer comes in. That's where reading your Bible comes in. So once you begin to pray and when you begin to read the word of God, you get encouraged in the Lord. And you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit to share your faith again. What some see as foolishness of preaching reaches the heart of needy souls and wins them to the Lord. And, um, you know... Many times, people say, well, I didn't really get any results. I shared my faith. I invited them to church. But I'm not getting no results. There's nothing happening. Well, there's a thing that we call, talk about in the, from the Bible, connected with, Sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. You're sowing seed. You're sowing seed. If, uh, if uh, this man can't stay quiet, somebody's going to have to take him out, okay? You're sowing seed, and you, uh, you think, well, I'm not really making any progress. But Corinthians talks about some sowing, some watering, but God gives the increase. You may have started something in a person's heart and mind where although they may not have given you any encouragement that they've received anything that you've said, 
but it begins them to think. They begin to think. And someone else comes along and they share something and it makes them think a little bit more. And finally, someone else comes along and they share and they're ready to receive the gospel. That's what it's about. I like telling the story of the shoe salesman. I've told it a number of times, and I'll tell it again. Um, two, two shoe salesmen traveled to a third world country in search of new business opportunities. They get there, the same community. One guy phones his wife and says, honey, there's no opportunity here. Nobody wears shoes anyway. He said, I'm coming home. The other one phones his wife and says, honey, you won't believe it. Nobody's wearing shoes here. I can sell to the whole country. There are opportunities everywhere to share the gospel. A poll says that approximately 70% of Americans polled out of 15,000 unchurched adults said that if a friend or neighbor invited them to church, they would seriously consider accepting the invitation. I don't think Canadians are much different than Americans in that respect. So you look at someone, you hear their, their language, you see their actions, and you assume they would never, ever come inside of a church door. They would never listen to anything I have to say. Don't assume. People are more open than you think. In closing this chapter, Paul references Israel's rejection of God's grace and their Messiah. He said, they heard the message, they understood the message, but they would not receive it. Verses 19 to 21, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. And later Isaiah spoke boldly for God saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me and I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regardless, regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. We can see the lengths to which God has gone to reach his people. God has gone to the same lengths to reach you and I today. We have a message of faith to share with all who will give us an ear. We can't work our way to heaven. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when, he, when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast. A free gift. Amen. Would you like to become a born-again believer today? It's as simple as ABC. Admit you are a sinner. Believe in Jesus 
to forgive you and to cleanse you from that sin. And confess that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. And then share it with others. That's the formula for every born-again believer. And then you can work for him as a service of love. There's nothing wrong with works. There's nothing wrong with working. But after you have made your peace with God, that's when you'd begin doing your works. It has no value before that. It may help some people, but it has no value to your soul salvation. Okay. Anyone here today that are ready to believe, ready to accept Jesus Christ into your life? If you would like to accept Jesus in your life today, would you come? Just come up and I'll pray with you. If you have other needs, sickness, relationship problems, whatever your need may be, Jesus is here to hear your prayer. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you today. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. Thank you for your word. Make it real to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church place where families connect.